Welcome to Project BGR, craft beer and conversation. And did we mention craft beer? The beer guys Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams talk to the makers and creators from the craft beer world and beyond. Now, time for Project BGR with your hosts, Tim and Aaron. Everyone, and welcome to Project BGR. I'm Tim Dennis. And I'm Aaron Williams. If you don't know, we host a radio show based out of Atlanta called Beer Guys Radio, where we cover the craft beer scene across the Southeast, but we love to talk beer with people around the country. On this week's show, we're getting funky. We're talking to Funky Buddha. Oh, yeah. We're talking to John Lynn, who is the brand director for Funky Buddha Brewery down in Boca Raton, Florida. John, thanks for joining us today. How's it going, guys? We're doing great, man. We're doing great. We appreciate you taking time out to uh, to chat beer with us here. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. John, first we want to say thanks. Uh, we have a couple beers here uh, you know, that you were nice enough to connect us with. We've got a Last Snow and, and a beer here, I believe, that's uh, as yet unreleased, correct? The the Saison? Yeah, Undefeated Saison is coming out next week. Excellent, okay. excellent. And that, that, of course, is to commemorate the 1972 Undefeated Miami Dolphins team. Uh, so. Yeah, we are kind of homers down here for the Dolphins. That's so, all right. You know. 72. I wonder how many of us on this call right now were were around. I was at negative that one. Time. So negative one. I was so, negative okay, one. Yeah, so great. That, so. I, was, I was not there myself. <laughs> See, hey, you know <laughs> good deal. Excellent. Hold on to something. That's right, right man. That's well, right. I tell you what, John. I think we're going to open up your last snow right now and get into that. So while we pop that open, and uh, why don't you kind of tell us your craft beer story? How'd you get involved in this uh, crazy world? Well, I've got a kind of a circuitous uh, story about getting into craft beer. Uh, first of all, I've uh, been working with the brewery uh, since we opened in uh, 2013. Actually, a little bit before that. Uh, owners, uh, Casey and Ryan Sense, kind of searched, uh, had, had, had operated a brew pub in Boca Raton down here in South Florida for a few years, and it got pretty successful uh, and had made a couple of beers that really made, you know, got some acclaim nationally. So decided, hey, let's get, uh, let's get a brewery open and uh, kind of found a spot and, uh, and, and dragged me uh, on board uh, in early 2013. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been an exciting ride. Uh, before that, I actually was in um, in journalism, so I uh, wrote a lot about beer. I was a I was a food writer, and I decided, you know, hey, craft beer is awesome. It's kind of growing and blossoming down here in South Florida. Uh, let's write a little bit more about it. And so I got a, got to know a lot of the people that were operating craft beer down here early on, and uh, thought that hey, probably a uh, better line of work than journalism, which seems to be kind of. Uh, <laughs> going away so i thought hey why not get into craft beer so i uh, got to know the owner uh the at the time ryan who kind of started the brewery and we just shared a lot of thoughts drank a lot of beers together and looked at uh kind of what we thought would work for a brewery and uh he, he asked a lot of my opinions and you know then before i said i was you know we were drawing up logos and uh and ideas and branding and and opening the brewery and you know three and a half years later and doing pretty pretty well so it's, yeah. been a, it's been a crazy ride. Yeah, John, I'm a journalism major, and I spent my fair share of uh, time in newsrooms, so I, I feel your pain. So it's okay. Oh, right on, man. Yeah, it was a really <laughs> fun time, and I worked in a, I worked in all weeklies. So oh, there you go. Like That's even more fun. Things, okay. Low things of the world. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun, and I met a lot of great people and um, wrote some cool articles and had a lot of fun doing that. But uh, craft beer kind of, you know, discovered my calling, I guess, through that, which is which was beer, so definitely good. interesting. Now you guys have got kind of a, you mentioned that the brew pub was kind of where Funky Buddha started, the Funky Buddha Lounge and Brewery, correct? Yep, Boca Raton, Florida. And that, that is a little bit north of the brewery. 
that is beer and a uh, beer and hookah bar. Is that right? Beer and hookah. Yeah, it kind of started out as a you know the story is that Ryan bought the bar. Um, it was just called the R and R T Bar in the Funky Buddha Lounge back in like 2007. And at the time in Florida, there just wasn't a lot of craft beer around. But Ryan was a big craft beer fan, so he bought this place, which was basically like a cava and loose leaf tea and hookah bar, like really kind of wild and out there. And thought, hey, you know, these things are all kind of on the cutting edge. You know what else is like that is, is craft beer. I'll sh- I should bring that on board. And so he started selling craft beer at a time where you really couldn't get it in Florida, uh, or at least not a lot of stuff. And, um, yeah, from there it just kind of grew and grew. And eventually he got an opportunity to move it to a bigger spot and uh, and start brewing beer of his own, which he'd been a home brewer for years. And so that was kind of where the brewery took off. And that's your brew pub now kind of focuses at your test kitchen, so to speak, where your uh, experiments are done in that before going to production? Yeah, they do a lot of the kind of experimental stuff there. They'll do some wild beers. They do a lot of uh, Berliner Weisses down there and uh, a lot of really cool uh, IPAs and all different kinds of stuff like that. So uh, we will sometimes take recipes that really work well from there and then bring them into the brewery setting and see how it works. And uh, if it if it works good, then we you know scale it up and start doing it on a large level. Yeah, it's funny that uh, you know you guys uh, we got to go back to the brewery laws in Georgia here, and it's kind of screwed up. That uh, for example, Terrapin just signed a, a deal where they're opening up their own tap room, and uh, we can't do that here, where it's like we've got to uh, we've got to uh, go ahead and actually brew the beer. You have to give it to the distributor. The distributor ostensibly goes around the block and gives it back to us. And then we can, we can oh, wow. sell the beer in the tap room. So. And see, technically, that's not their tap room because it's, it's someone separate that has to own it. That's, so that's right. Yeah, so, that's uh, there at, uh, at the, the news Brave Stadium. As you can get so, exactly. So. That's it. You know, we talked wow. a, lot, uh, a bit about this, John, before we you know before we got on the interview here. But uh, you know, in Georgia, you can't have a production brewery and a brew pub, and that those with that in Georgia crosses the tiers there, so to speak. Crosses so, the streams. You can't cross the streams. You know, that's that was it. something I saw. Uh, I don't want to focus on this too much. Definitely want to focus on Funky Buddha. But uh, when doing the research to speak with you, I found uh, a quote from uh, from Ryan Sense where someone had asked him the importance from a financial perspective in the tap room. And he said, oh, my God, it's huge. He said it allows you to buy more tanks, buy a centrifuge. With distribution, you get your volume sales. But you have to sell so much more distribution-wise to make the same money that you do at your tap room. Absolutely. You can't be a uh – like a, a small craft brewery making less than say, you know, five thousand barrels a year, and not have significant taproom sales, which is scary. With how many breweries have opened up in the United States in the past couple of years? I mean, I think by the end of this year, we're supposed to have six thousand or a little bit over that right. uh, breweries in the country, and so. You know, the local brewery, the local brew pub where you go to grab your beer, to grab growlers, I mean, that's instrumental in not only creating that sense of community, but also in, you know, actually making sure the business can survive. I mean, you're in the distribution side of things, you're talking about, uh, you know, pricing beer, at, you know, keeping in mind the fact that it's going to be upcharged, you know, three times before it reaches the consumer. Yeah. You know, the state is going to get their piece, the, you know, the distributor is going to get their piece, the retailer is going to get their piece. So, you know, really, uh, it's, it's, it's untenable to have a brewery and not have some kind of a taproom component. And I really feel for states, uh, breweries in states like Georgia, 
where you can't just sell a beer to a consumer. You've got to jump through hoops and have all different types of, you know, different legal wranglings in order to just sell a beer to someone. It's, it's very difficult. And I think it's just a holdover from, unfortunately, uh, you know, a, a long ago time when, you know, your prohibition or what have you, where, you know, I guess the, at one point the government was trying to protect citizens from, from monopolization, but really what it's just come down to is, is just antiquated laws that need to be kind of over, overturned. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest reasons why Florida is kind of behind the curve, I guess, on a national level for, for craft beer, and probably a lot of the southern states too, because we just had these really old antiquated laws that uh, just didn't apply anymore, and they're still in effect and or, or, or had recently overturned. So uh, until that happens, you really can't have successful business. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you look out uh, at the breweries on the West Coast. You know, I grew up in the Seattle area, and you're talking about breweries that have been around for 15, 20 years and have had a lot of uh, experience and a lot of, uh, of depth in there. Everyone here in the South, you know, five years is, is an old brewery for folks uh, in our yeah. neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. We were the, like, third, uh, fourth production brewery in South Florida, when we opened three and a half years ago. So put that in perspective. And now there are over 30. So it, yeah. it just in the past few years has blossomed. But, I mean, it's really taken some time because of some of these laws and just the changes and the residual effects. Even once they change, you know, the culture doesn't change overnight. So you don't get, you know, craft breweries just opening up uh, all over the place until these things have really had time to sink in. And like you mentioned, the craft beer industry in in the U.S. is fairly young, relatively speaking. You know, from uh, mid seventies or so for for a lot of the craft brewery with uh, legalization of home brewing and getting more of that experimentation going. So, thirty five years in the grand scheme of things is a pretty young industry. It's a drop in the bucket, yeah. absolutely. But I mean, it it doesn't seem to be going anywhere, and it's it's growing. So we're uh, we're riding the wave, certainly, here in Florida. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, let's talk about more of the fun side of beer. Let's go. talk about like beer. That. Okay. So, that's a, John, you guys have a pretty large core selection of your beers. You know, you don't see a lot of craft breweries that will have uh, that expansive of, a, of an offering for their year-round beers. So, you want to kind of tell us some of the highlights of your, your year-round offerings? Sure. So, we, you know, every not everything we do makes it into distribution, but we do a lot of year-round beers at the brewery. Um, chief among that is Floridian, uh, Hefeweizen, which is a easy drinking wheat beer, German style, uh, Hefe. So it's got a nice unfiltered appearance, uh, great banana, citrus and clove character, very typical of the style. That's a big majority of our sales because it's, it's, it's our biggest beer in, uh, throughout the state of Florida. So I'd say, uh, about 40% of the beer we make is Floridian, um, but then we also have our IPA, Hopcott IPA. Every craft brewery's got to have a good one. And That's ours right. is decidedly East Coast style, I would say. So we go for kind of balance, and that's something that we achieve, uh, or we try to achieve anyway, with with most of our beers. You know, we do a lot of stuff that's very bold in flavor, uh, that has a lot of natural ingredients in it. But throughout all of it, the major chain that connects it is that we really try to make beers that drink well and that aren't just uh, something that you can. You know, that's a novelty. So um, so Hopgun is kind of similar in that we have, like, a nice kind of multi-backbone that matches up with the hop profile. So it, it's an easy-drinking uh, IPA for sure. Uh, then we also have a double IPA uh, called Hop Stimulator that is also year-round in bottles uh, and in draft. Uh, and all three of those beers, by the way, you'll get all throughout the state of Florida. Um, and that's a 9.5% IPA with like uh, Amarillo hops, Cascade, Centennial, 
and citra, so it's got a really nice round hot profile, but again, not too bitter, uh, not too um, malty, just kind of like right right there in between. Um, so we also do a lot of other draft-only beers that you can get at the tapper, so if you visit us uh, in Oakland Park, you can get stuff like our uh, Session IPA, uh, our English-style brown ale with oats, um, which is called Doc Brown. We, we do a lot of uh, 80s uh, pop references with our beers, uh, so, so that's a big theme you'll see running through our stuff. We're all kids of, uh, you know, children of the eighties and kids of pop culture. So, uh, we try to, try to bring that back whenever yeah, possible. Yeah. I like the hop simulator. Uh, you know, not only is it a great beer, it's, it's, it's really nice and drinkable, but it also has that kind of cool, like eighties retro, almost like a video game type of feel to, to the label, which is kind of yeah, cool. We, yeah. We went with actually kind of like a graphic novel feel with that beer. The, um, you know, kind of reminiscent of like that, yeah, like you said, kind of a, almost like 80s style Marvel comic, you know, uh, where you've got like this kind of almost Hulk-like hop character that's, uh, you know, taking taking a sip of the juice and is now <laughs> transforming into this hop monster. So that's kind of what we want with that with that beer. But you, we we always kind of go tongue in cheek and try to do fun stuff with our with our labels. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, so that's that's a thing Outside of your core beers, you guys have some uh, you know pretty good offerings as far as seasonal or, or occasionals go. And like I said, we're drinking Last Snow right now, enjoying that one. That's a, a coconut coffee porter. Uh, can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that beer? Yeah, Last Snow is uh, is a beer that is one of the beers. I'd say one of the three beers that gained us a lot of notoriety when we were back at the lounge in Boca Raton, just kind of brewing. 30 gallons at a time, and uh, it's become one of the most popular beers that we make and one that people really look out for every time it, it's released. And right now we release it two times a year. It comes out in uh, September and uh, February. So it kind of caps that, we call it snowbird season down here, and that's where the name originally came from. This this idea of the snowbirds coming in and out of uh, Florida, you know, coming down and, and enjoying the warm weather with us uh, while they're here. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beer that features coffee predominantly, and then it's got uh, a little bit of coconut in there as well. Um, so it kind of does feel a little wintry uh, with the combination, which is nice. It's a really robust porter for uh, its ABV. It's only 6.3%, but really has a nice mouthfeel to it. And uh, we just uh, we use a lot of oats, a lot of lactose in it to give it that mouthfeel, which we do in a lot of our darker beers. And um, yeah, it's just one we're really proud of, and uh, and and we're really excited. People tend to get pretty excited when Last Snow comes out, and uh, it's one just one of our bigger beers, one yes, of our bigger releases. It's got here. a ton of ton of coconut on the nose, and I, I'm surprised it's that low ABV. I thought it was much higher than that. Yeah, it definitely drinks like a, a thicker, you know, more robust stouter porter, but you know, it's it's drinkable, so you can. You know, you could you could put away the twenty two and maybe a couple more after that. There you go. Now, when was the last snow down there in South Florida? Was that also in nineteen seventy two, with the with that uh, dolphin? <laughs> I don't know exactly. You know, I've lived yeah. here since I was six years old, and yeah. I can't remember seeing snow once. So, um, I mean, it, yeah, it's probably yeah. Uh, probably around the same time that the dolphin blasts were relevant. In there the you NFL. go. That's See? that's been yeah, a little that's while. Right. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Hey, this is Aaron. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We've got some really awesome things that are coming soon that will help us engage with you some more. We're not going to lie to you, though. It takes time, effort, and money to produce this show every week. So if you'd like to be part of the Beer Guys family, we would love your help. 
head to patreon.com slash beer guys to become a sponsor. We're not going to beg. Okay, maybe just a little bit. But hey, we've got some great swag for those who become a sponsor. And you'll be among the first to know about the great things that are coming to the Beer Guys universe. Again, that's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash beer guys. Or you can go to beerguysradio.com and click the sponsor link. We thank you for your support and cheers. Now, that's talking about some of your well-known beers like Last Snow. Probably the one that gets the most hype and chatter and activity is Maple Bacon Coffee Porter. Oh, yes. So this is you guys do a um, a day for this beer, launch it out there, and that that's a pretty big deal. So uh, with that one, uh, what's tell us about that beer. Yeah, that's kind of uh, I mentioned three beers that kind of put you know put us on the map, so to speak, that really got our name out there when we were just brewing at the lounge. And that's one of them, too. The other one is No Crust, which is a peanut butter and jelly uh, brown ale. But, um, yeah, Maple Bacon Coffee Porter uh, is a beer that we do release once per year. Uh, We have a big festival surrounding it. So uh, in the past, what we've done is we've shut down the street in front of the brewery. Uh, We've brought in food trucks and a bunch of beer trucks and really just had a great time and, you know, kind of an all-day festival. And um, it's really evolved. This year we're going to be doing a beer fest. It's going to be held on January 14th at the brewery. Uh, So we're going to bring in some beers from uh, some great breweries all across the country, some of our friends, and also some great local beers, too. And, of course, we'll be releasing uh, bottles of this beer, which, again, it comes out once per year. So the idea with Maple Bacon was just – you know, let's make a uh, roadside diner breakfast in a glass. You know, let's make something that tastes like you've got a stack of pancakes, a cup of coffee, and a side of bacon, and uh, just kind of create a nostalgic moment, which is what we try to do with a lot of our beers, just kind of play on food memories and flavor memories. And, um, you know, I think it really achieves it well. It's a beer that's balanced. Again, it's not... uh, you know, you think of all these strong flavors, and you think, "Wow, how is that going to work in a beer?" But it really does work well, and it's a balanced beer. And I don't know, for some reason, being in the hot climate of South Florida, we just love to make dark beers. Like that makes sense. And sure. Big stouts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good deal. So, so, so now, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, what, what, what are what are what are one of the beers that uh, maybe you don't think gets enough love from you guys, and one that you, maybe you want people to know more about? Um, one that doesn't get enough love. Um, you know, I'm. <laughs> You know, I guess I could just go with what I drink lately, and uh, you know, I've been I've been drinking craft beer for a while, and um, you know, I think a lot of the guys around the brewery have been drinking craft beer, and I guess you know, we make we make a blonde ale. It's called On Top, and it, it's just it's just a nice, easy drinking blonde, and that's the one that most of us around the brewery, really, you know, gravitate towards. I guess. Um, Maybe there's a uh, kind of a chart where you can pa- you can chart the path of a of a beer drinker's palate, where they kind of get into the game and get into crazy IPAs and and then it kind of goes all wild from there. Whether it's you know stouts or barrel aged beers or sours or what have you. And I think that at a certain point you get back to drinking. You know, I want some beer uh, a beer that I can drink four or five of and and you and know not good, yeah. drinking beer yeah. yeah and and that's kind of i think where i'm at now so i guess you know just from a purely selfish perspective i would say our blondale i just i drink a lot of that and i think a lot of guys around the brewery drink a lot of that yeah it's funny it's almost like you know you see we talked to a lot of brewers and, and people in the beer industry and a lot of them are go- kind of going back to that pilsner pale ale blondale just the kind of the easier drinking styles because like you said they're they're all day in the brewery they don't want to be drinking a 10 percent, 13 percent beer 
because they couldn't really do their job after a couple of those. They want to be able to drink it all day long, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we tend to drink after work most of the time. But, well, there's that. Uh, know, <laughs> but all said and done, I mean, I think just, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You want to you wanna kind of, uh, you know, have a beer that you can have a few of. And, um, you know, I don't know. I'm just I'm at the point where the, a lot of the beers that I drink personally – are uh, kind of more of the sessionable style, not necessarily session IPAs or something kind of of the moment, but just, you know, like you said, Pilsners, Pale Ales, good IPAs, crisp, clean beers that you can have a few of that really just, you know, taste good. And uh, we try to make those beers really well, too, even though we're known for a lot of the crazy culinary stuff. So we see that a lot more lately. We talked uh, to a brewery a little bit earlier that uh, that's their goal is to introduce, you know, those styles, the cleaner traditional European lagers and that uh, to people. They they were saying they don't even have an IPA on the rotation. You know, you'd mentioned every brewery's got to have an IPA, and yeah, I, they're I the see that. They're like, no, we're not going to do it. So, uh, but in the more – yeah, exactly, right? No IPAs, but, uh, you know, we talk to more brewers that, that are returning to those styles, and it's, it's something, you know, kind of speaks to what you said, the uh, maturation, I guess, of, uh, you know, the, the beer drinkers and the beer industry because uh, – a lot of these breweries are, you know, five, six or so years old around our area, and uh, it's kind of a, a, a circle there. They're going back, they yeah. So, yeah. So. Yeah, you look at those breweries that have been around, and you know, you mentioned older craft beer markets, like whether it's uh, Colorado or uh, Oregon or Washington State or what, or California. These older beer markets, I mean, a lot of these breweries, I mean, they, they make beers that – you know, they don't don't get distributed around the country, but are just their local go-to blonde or pilsner or lager or what have you. And, um, you know, that just, that's, that kind of goes back, I think, and harkens back to the idea of, of, of your hometown brewery. And this is, this is where we're going to go get a growler. Or this is where we're going to go, go hang out and commiserate after work. And that's kind of something else we've always tried to have been here in South Florida is just the community hub for people yeah. where they can come and have a beer and really get to the heart of what you know what beer is about. I think is a, it's a it's about community and it's about um, you know the ability to sit down and and enjoy a beverage with your friends and kind of unwind after the day. Now, uh, one of the things that you uh, recently got yourself involved in was the Sierra Nevada Beer Camp across America. Uh, what was that process like? Oh, that was a really cool. Uh, that was. A, <laughs> That was actually a real big surprise for us. Um, I remember we were kind of sitting around having a meeting in the tap room, um, you know, before we had opened one day, and uh, we we had a you know cordless phone sitting at the table, and uh, the phone rang, and we had a little caller ID on the top that says Ken Grossman on the phone, <laughs> and uh, you're like, and hey, I, like we're being pranked. Exactly. I look yeah. over, over to Ryan. I said, I said, oh hey Ryan, uh, Ken Grossman's calling. And it was just kind of this surreal. We were like, "Hey, this is a little bit wild, you know." It was just so matter of fact, and here, here's this guy, you know, who's basically one of the grandfathers of craft beer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this can't be right. But he picks up the phone and he goes, "Hello," and we're all sitting here waiting at the table. And then he goes, he looks at us kind of out of the corner of his eye with a smile on his face and goes, "Oh, hello, Ken Grossman." Uh, and we all kind of, as you, know, you do, up laughing a little bit at the table. But yeah, it turned out that you know they. Um, the, you know they they obviously uh, you know have a good presence here in Florida. Sierra Nevada is all over the place down here, and uh, a lot of their um, you know their uh, sales reps and people that work for the company down here had had kind of said, hey, 
this is a this is a brewery that that we should work with for beer camp and and when it came down to it they they had selected us to work with them so um we were we were super excited to do it we brought to the table of course uh you know something crazy uh we sat down with a bunch of other breweries like wicked weed and austin beerworks and creature comforts and in uh, in Georgia and 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 said hey let's let's make something out of the box so the idea was come up come up with a with a beer that kind of tastes a little bit like drinking sweet tea uh, on the porch in the south you know it's kind of like the southern tradition right yeah and uh, and but like have a lot of fruit in it too so we made sweet sunny south which is uh, was this table saison with with just a ton of fruit papaya and guava and all this stuff and uh, and and some great tea in it as well so it has great tea characteristic and i think probably uh not only did i think it was great but we had the distinction of probably causing sierra nevada a little bit of ire because we i'm sure we made the most expensive produce <laughs> oh yes in that 12 pack, so. which ended up being a, i think a 30 dollar 12 pack uh, you can solely probably blame all your fault that. yeah, yeah. you were 90 percent of that that's it yeah now they, they did the at one point that we uh that we they put thirty thousand pounds of fruit in all the batches that they made wow. for Sweet Sunny South. So we thought, well, that's awesome, and we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Because they did the they did that beer camp a little different than last time. So you did the South, like you and Creature Comforts and the other breweries in the South worked on one beer together. Is that correct? Yeah. So we uh, they picked us kind of as the captain. They kind of almost picked like dodgeball style captains uh-huh. and said, go out and pick some breweries to work with you. And so yeah, we ended up. Uh, working with Creature Comforts, Wicked Weed, Austin Beer Works, and Bayou Tesh uh, out of Louisiana. So oh, cool. Um, cool process and some obviously some great breweries, just really, um, you know, fantastic company. Uh, and I think that was, you know, one of the cooler things that, that came out of that beer camp is just the amazing amount of talent and breweries that actually went into producing what came out of that. Well, cool. John, we got a couple more minutes left uh, here before we have to wrap things up, but uh, I want to talk again about the, some of the beers that you sent through the beer mail. Uh, of course, we've been drinking about the uh, the last snow. We also want to talk about, uh, or snow day, I should say, the undefeated Saison that you've got. Uh, that's the third year of the release that you're getting right now. Is that correct? Or yeah, last, yeah, last, last snow, we, I'm sorry. Yeah, last snow, yeah. Undefeated Saison, we, uh, we first made three years ago. Um, last year, we did a, a much bigger bottle release, and then this year, um, you know, even a little bit larger still, but it, it's still a brewery-only release, um, and it's something that we do just to kind of, um, you know, pay tribute to the last, like I said, uh, the, the 1972 Dolphins. Uh, I'm, I, I got to be honest with you, and, and I, I know I'll get flack from this for, from, for Ryan and Casey, but uh, I, I'm, I was born in Denver, so I'm a Broncos fan. Ah, well. And, well. Uh, <laughs> Go Seahawks. But, uh, That's okay. That's right. No more Saison for you, That's John. Right. That's so. right. No more Saison for me. I'm cut <laughs> off completely. But I do love the Dolphins. They're my second team. Uh, and, um, and this beer is just kind of a tribute to them. But what we actually did was we tried to make a beer that drank like a champagne because the urban legend goes that every year after the last undefeated team loses in the NFL – the 1972 Dolphins, the members of that class, raise a glass of champagne and toast to the defeat, and to the, well, more more to the um, to the legacy that continues on that they are the only undefeated team ever to go through and win the Super Bowl in the NFL. So, um, so we release it only after the last team loses, and, and just this weekend, 
Minnesota. The Vikings, yeah. They just okay. lost to the Eagles. Exactly. So so we were able to uh, go ahead and put it out. And so we're going to put it out next Tuesday on the 1st at uh, 7 p.m. in the tap room. And uh, bottles will be $14. And so what we actually do with this beer, we want to make sure it drinks like champagne. So it's a Saison, very dry, 7.2%. Uh, and we add grape smuff to this beer. We actually add Pinot Noir and Chardonnay grape musk, which is the exact grapes that are used to create champagne. Uh, and then we actually uh, bottle condition these bottles with champagne yeast. So it's a really nuanced beer. It's really uh, interesting and unique because of that great must. I think that it actually tastes a lot like champagne while also still tasting uh, like a uh, like a great saison and uh, with a peppery quality and all the phenolics that go into that. So I think it's actually a, this year. It's it's just a, it's a phenomenal beer. And we're really excited to release it. Uh, and we actually ended up putting some of it in barrels. So I think next year uh, we're going to do a Chardonnay barrel-aged version of Undefeated Saison along with the regular. So uh, that'll be super exciting, too. Nice. And this one is made to look like a champagne. I mean, it's got the you know the silver foil wrapped on there. And the whole look of the bottle is to experience the champagne. Now, something I noticed interesting on this, so this one uh, – it says serve at 32 degrees. You don't see a lot of beers saying to serve that cold. So uh, serve this one nice and cold, I guess, like a champagne. It's super carbonated. We yeah. carbonated that beer to a really high level to try to achieve that kind of tight bottle condition bubble that you get in a, in, in kind of a, in a champagne or a nice bottle conditioned beer. So, you know, in order to kind of get that uh, service proper, we want it to be served nice and cold. Yeah, and, and I hear it, by the way, too, it's, a, again, a brewery-only release, but it's free to any member of the 72 Dolphins team that actually shows up. So I'm wondering, <laughs> if did you have any, like, Garo Upremian or Nick Buacanti signings or any sightings like that at the brewery yet? Is anyone taking you up on the uh, offer? Not as of yet. Okay. But, you know, we do uh, know a lot of the 72 Dolphins. Uh, last year we had Don Shula, you know, the coach nice. of the team. He signed a bottle for us, so... Um, you know, we it's an it's a good community, a good sports and beer community in South Florida. So I I hope and I expect that we will get some in attendance. Awesome, John. Thank you so much for talking to us. We're uh, talking to John Lynn of Funky Buddha Brewery. John's the brand manager there. We thank you for tuning in to this episode of Project BGR. Taking the time out of your day to listen to us. You can more learn more about the you can learn more about the brewery at funkybuddhabrewery.com. That's right. Uh, Remember, Project BGR is available on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. So subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. And then you can also tune into Beer Guys Radio every Saturday for all the news you need to know about the craft beer movement in the Southeast. We podcast that, too. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Beer Guys Radio. Cheers, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 